Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that's so scary we can't even bring ourselves to tell our ghost stories. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. We, I mean, we have to tell the stories. It's, it's not like the ghosts can hear us. Find some good like Scooby Doo, like Castle Thunder. Maybe I'll just do the like that Castle Thunder uh, um, sound effect that like everyone uses. The generic then, one, yeah, I like that. And then the Wilhelm scream, and then Goofy yelling, <laughs> which I think is the same thing. Close, pretty close. Anyway, we're gonna talk about ghosts today. We're in the same room for the first time ever. Well, no, no, we've been in the same room before. We were recording in the same. No, even that's not true because we did a boohaha last time you were at my I place. It was technically an aha oob. Well, long story short, it's our first episode of recording after Nunified in the same room in person for real. It's very exciting. You can probably tell just by you know the, the very like eclectic energy that's happening in the room. I had a triple shot latte. I also had a triple shot latte. And an Excedrin that also had uh, <laughs> caffeine in it. And then I'm going to go to breakfast and have another coffee. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do some some ghost stories. Uh, we have each selected one. Sarah told me what hers was, and I don't remember it. And then I never told Sarah. No, nope, Emily, was. this is big secret. I had one, and then I'll explain why I didn't do it when we get to it. It, it was a whole thing. <laughs> it's very disappointing. Um, so to decide who's going to go first, we're going to do uh, rock, paper, scissors. This is inconclusive. <laughs> I know this is a really great audio, but we literally just did three of the same in the same row. Okay. Uh, hold on. I'll be one. You'll be two. Okay, Google, pick a number between one and two. Here's a random number. Two. Okay, you go first. <gasps> Google has blessed me on this day. I like how there was a dice rolling. <laughs> we could have just rolled a dice. That means I would have had to gotten up and that's I don't have a two-sided work. dice. That's a coin. <laughs> yeah, I like yelling at Google. That's fine. Um, okay. What, what so story? I have a ghost story and it's about Stahl Cemetery. Hmm. I mean, you've definitely heard of this before. I think most people have, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's... I'm pretty sure at some point I'll yell, I've heard that one. (laughs) I don't have a name to put to it, though. Uh, So my sources for this are Wikipedia, AmericanHauntings.com, which is a better site than you would think of, given the uh, URL, Uh, Weird US, and also the Kansas City Star. Kansas City, all right. An actual uh, newspaper. Newspaper source, which there there actually are a lot of... um, news stories about the Stull Cemetery, and most of them are about how the locals are so annoyed and how everyone thinks it's a haunted spot. And uh, so there's some spoilers there. No worries. That sounds a lot like when, like, Eater.com runs a story about how, like, there's a really good restaurant in Portland and everyone in Portland is like, leave us alone. <laughs> it's like, stop. Same, same energy. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start with some, as I've written uh, in my notes here, history in quotation marks. That's how all good ghost stories start. Stull, Kansas is an unincorporated community in Douglas County, Kansas, which is about halfway between the cities of Topeka and Lawrence. It's like 20 minutes, I think, from each. 
right in between them. I'm surprised cities are that close together. And uh, I think there's like there seems to be like Topeka, Lawrence, and then like that. The, Lawrence is pretty close to Kansas City, which is actually in Missouri. <laughs> uh, and then I think you got Wichita, and then you got literally nothing for the remainder of Kansas. Is my understanding. That's kind of how state. Oregon is set up, where all of our cities are by the coast, and I then the middle part together, is yeah. just garbage. <laughs> yep, sounds like Kansas. <laughs> my sister-in-law isn't listening to this. It'll be fine. Uh, so, still is teeny tiny. Uh, its population never topped 50, and today only a few dozen people still claim residence there. Uh, the, frankly, it's amazing anyone would want to live there at all, since apparently it is built right atop a gate to hell. Oh my god. Uh, Stell was already a very dark place when it was founded in the 1850s. Uh, its residents, apparently, were avid practitioners of black magic, and they had originally named their settlement, settlement Skull, as you do when you were, you know, into black magic as a teenager. Yeah, it was like, did a Hot Topic employee name the town? <laughs> it was only later that they altered it to Stull, S-T-U-L-L, in an attempt to cover up their dark deeds. Not any better. Much of the evil in Stull seems to be centered on the town's cemetery uh, and, and an old stone church that was finally demolished in 2002. So, according to legend, not, after the to- not long after the town was founded, its mayor was stabbed to death by a stable hand in the cemetery's old stone barn, because okay. cemeteries have barns. Uh, well, I mean, you do need the horses to pull the, the funeral oh, carriages, so that makes sense. Um, I never got the whole, like, ooh, spooky cemetery, because, like... Yes, the bodies are there, but they died somewhere else. So why would they? I guess maybe. I guess I get. I get the. I get it from the aspect of like some cemeteries are haunted because the graves have been disturbed or something. Like I can see that angle. Cemeteries being haunted just by the fact that there are bodies there, I think, speaks more to our society's uncomfortableness with the whole concept of death, rather than any sort of. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, this one, he actually died in the cemetery, so, like, that checked Apparently, out. yeah, there was this whole murder in the cemetery. Um, so this this is in the barn of the cemetery. Uh, that barn was later converted into a church, and that church was later destroyed by a fire. So whether the gate to hell was already there or if Stull's own residence conjured it into being, Stull Cemetery may be the most sinister place on Earth. Nah, uh, I feel like Auschwitz <laughs> has some stuff to say about that. <laughs> I feel really bad for laughing about that. Damn it, Emily. I'm just, that was the worst place I could think of. Yeah. So we're going to cover some of the legends and lore that surround Stall Cemetery. All of them are very real. Of course. So. They were in a newspaper. Yes. According to legend, the devil himself mm-hmm. appears in Stall Cemetery twice a year. On the spring equinox, because witches, I guess, and Halloween. Does he not have better things to do on Halloween? Like, I feel like his, it's like Santa on Christmas, where he has a lot of places to be. I guess he, well, so here's the thing. It's like, yeah, why would the devil want to visit Kansas? Why would anyone want to visit Kansas? Um, so it's told that he's either there um, to visit a witch that is buried there, or he's visiting the grave of the child he had with said witch. Or he wants barbecue. <laughs> either or. It's very close to Kansas City, so. This is true. Uh, the child, of this child he had with a witch, it is said, was so deformed that he only lived a few days, and his body is, of course, buried in Stull Cemetery, and his ghost haunts the ground. And he haunts it as a werewolf. Yep, that all checks out, logically. <laughs> so, supposedly, I've heard the, uh, photos and on the internet, but I read about it. Uh, there's a photo taken a few years ago that shows a werewolf-like boy, in quotes, peering out from behind a tree. 
So a a boy, but with werewolf, with werewolf fangs and okay claws and mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen the photo. <laughs> the website I found this on did not <laughs> did not provide publish it. Okay, so others will tell of a strong wind that appears um, that just bl- begins blowing out of nowhere. A strong wind in Kansas on the prairie. <laughs> So there's a story of uh, two young men who, upon experiencing this, you know, wind, wind, (laughs) ran out of the cemetery only to find that their car had been moved to the other side of the highway and was now facing in an entirely different direction. Or that's where they parked in the first place and just forgot. We're high on reefer. (laughs) That good, good Kansas City reefer. This one's weird. Okay, that this this wind, apparently it's also been experienced inside the church. Of course, the church, before it was demolished, was also, like, a crumbling and in ruins. So... A nice draft, maybe? The, there's a... There are countless stories of the strange phenomena that's happened inside the church. Uh, that, again, is no longer there. But when it was, the legends were, uh, no rain would ever fall inside the church, despite that it had no roof. Okay. Important qualifier there. Yeah, the the no roof part is very important, because otherwise it's just a functioning building. That's how buildings work. There was also a decaying wooden crucifix that hung on the wall, and if you entered the church at midnight, it would turn upside down. Which, as a story, is legitimately It's very creepy. You know, I'm not even going to debunk that one. Let's just leave that. So apparently bottles flung against the stone walls of the church would never break. But if they did break, it was because you were going to hell. <laughs> Conveniently, if if you need to get to hell, uh, there's actually a set of steps hidden behind uh, somewhere in the cemetery that descend directly into hell itself. Or the basement. <laughs> well, I guess barns don't generally have basements. Or churches, but... Or churches. Well, no, there's plenty of church, church basements. basements. What am I talking about? How many about? weddings have you been to? <laughs> Every church has a basement. And if your church doesn't have a basement, it's probably because it's run by Satanists. <laughs> Because everyone knows Satanists don't have basements. That's not where they do the bulk of their work. Uh, So the stairs are supposedly hidden, and they are obscured by a hidden seal that only opens on Halloween and the spring equinox, you know, to likely to allow the devil to, you know, walk up the steps. That's how he gets to stall. I still don't feel like the devil is spending his holidays (laughs) in in Kansas. Even, like, the spring... What bugs me is, like, it's twice a year, but not quite, like... It could be like the spring equinox and the fall equinox, but it's not. It's Halloween and the spring equinox. And the unevenness of that really bugs me. Halloween is what, like a month after the fall yeah, equinox? over a month. Yeah. Spring equinox kind of makes sense. Like, that is a big pagan holiday, but also paganism does not equal Satanism, so... Unless you are living in Kansas. Yeah. Uh, those who have found the steps and supposedly ventured down them were never seen again. Um, Stull's diabolical reputation is so unsettling that even the Pope won't go near it. Why would the Pope go to Kansas? So in 1993, he was on the visit visit to the U.S. He was flying to Denver for World Youth Day or something like that. Uh, But John Paul II supposedly ordered his plane to fly around the entire state of Kansas because he didn't want to fly over, quote, unholy ground. Yeah, actually, that one makes sense. <laughs> so my next section here is called Some Light Debunking. Just because we haven't been doing that. I wasn't going to do it. And then I was like, no, because actually, it's gone. so um, first debunking, uh, Satan isn't real. <laughs> You're going to regret that when I go to hell. Well, 
Uh, the town was also never named Skull. It was actually founded as Deer Creek and later changed to Stull in honor of the town's first postmaster, Sylvester Stull. Okay. Hence the odd name. Uh, there's no record of the mayor ever being murdered. And in fact, Stull has never been big enough to warrant having a mayor. Or murders. <laughs> In fact, the whole legend itself seems to have originated not from local lore, but from a 1974 issue of the University of Kansas' student newspaper, which itself may have been inspired by a professor there who would, like, tell his class about the Stull legends as an example of an urban legend. So, like, the Pope thing also completely, like, people cite, like, a Time Magazine article that this apparently appeared in. It doesn't exist. So that's just kind of, like, roped into it. Um, the whole thing has actually become a huge headache for the residents of Stahl. All nine um, of them? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the... Think about this is the thing. It's a town of, like, maybe two dozen people. Uh, in Halloween 1988, oh, over God. 500 people showed up to the cemetery to try and, like, see the devil. Oh, God. Uh, and every year since, the sheriff's department has stationed deputies outside the cemetery to discourage people from entering and handing out tickets to those who do. That makes sense. <laughs> so... One, don't visit Stull. I'm just imagining how big their police force must be. It's got to be like a Twin Peaks, like we have three people. I'm guessing it's probably like the county sheriff's office. And I think even then, I'm sure it's very small. It's a fairly, yeah, rural area. That's uh, Deputy Dewey gets that that job every year. Uh, you know, don't take my word for it. I've never been to Stull. Go on Halloween. See what they're doing. Uh, do you know who has been to Stull? I'm sure I don't want to know. Ariana Grande. <laughs> Of all of the names of all of the people in the world that I expected you to say, I think she was on the bottom of the list. This has been the secret I have had to like hold in since I have uh, researched this like last weekend. <laughs> this is my big surprise was surprise celebrity cameo by Ariana Grande. Because if you had said like Kesha or Demi Lovato or Billie Eilish, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. No, well, apparently Ariana Grande is super into spooky things. So she actually attempted to visit Stull Cemetery following a concert in Kansas City, and she talked about this in an interview with Complex Magazine in 2013. Uh, it's it's well, just a tiny baby. Yeah, she's a little baby. <laughs> uh, it's it's so wild. I'm pretty much just gonna read quote her verbatim here. So just the, they drive out to the cemetery. Do the voice? <laughs> no, I don't even know what she sounds like. She has a really soft, like 50s starlet voice. It's actually very very nice. Yeah, that's definitely something I cannot replicate. She has a voice that doesn't match the music that she does. Like, I think I would enjoy her more if she did. Anyways, that's a whole other thing I'm going to get in trouble for. Uh, so what she says is, I felt the sick, overwhelming feeling of negativity over the whole car, and we smelled sulfur, which is the sign of a demon. Her driver just farted. Come on, Ariana. <laughs> and there was a fly in the car randomly, which is another sign of a demon. I was like, this is scary. Let's leave. I rolled down the window before we left and said, we apologize. We didn't mean to disrupt your peace. Then I took a picture, and there are three super distinct faces in the picture. They're faces of textbook demons. So <laughs> the interviewer asked to see the picture, obvious question, like, obviously. Uh, and Grande says, I deleted it. The next day, I tried to send it to the Send the picture to my manager, and it said, this file cannot be sent. It's 666 megabytes. I'm not kidding. I used to have a folder called Demons that had pictures with all the screen caps in it. But then weird things started happening to me, so I deleted it. <laughs> so as soon as we can get Ariana Grande as a guest on this podcast. Uh, yes, we definitely have that kind of sway. <laughs> if anyone's got any uh, connections, let us know. That's all I've got on Stall Cemetery. Wow. Gateway to Hell mm -hmm. is in Kansas. Yeah. That checks out. 
I mean, if you think about it, it pretty much makes sense. Yeah. We have buttfuck middle of nowhere of the country. Why not? It's like almost right in the middle of the country. Like the centermost spot is in Kansas. Not stall necessarily, but like fairly close. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so know. if you want something centrally located within the United States, move to Kansas. There's a reason Dorothy wanted to leave. <laughs> okay. I have a story for you. I'm excited to... Okay. So, this is my second favorite haunting that also wasn't too in-depth, that it deserved its own episode. Because my actual favorite haunting is the Winchester Mystery House, which we have kind of covered. Covered, yeah. And the one I chose for the episode became an issue because of a lack of sources that weren't like, this is fake. Because there was the Snedeker haunting, which a haunting in Connecticut was based off of. Um, it's not real. It's not real. Yeah. Super not real. Uh, but there was a quote from the, the show The Haunting that, um, oh, what's her face? Uh, not Janice. Uh, the, the person who lived in, in the house, I can't remember her name, is like some 80s mom name. Deborah. Carmen. Carmen oh. Snedeker. Uh, but she described one of the the entities as being one with uh, who is very thin with high cheekbones and long black hair and pitch black eyes. So, like a Norwegian metal drummer. It's pretty spooky. Uh, but then the other one she very described... the girl from the ring. Yeah. The other one she described as uh, having white hair and eyes and was wearing a pinstripe tuxedo and his feet were constantly in motion, which scared the ever-living shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, no thank you. Anyway, so I'm not doing that story. I say, also sounds a classic, like, James Wan conjuring... It's the feet constantly in motion that got me because I wasn't sure how to picture it, Mm -hmm. but it's, I can picture it in my head. It's very hard to describe. Yeah. There's like vapor trails. Anyway, so they made the story up, but I'm going to tell you a story about the silliest poltergeist in all the world with a kind of creepy origin story. Um, The Black Monk of Pontefract, Um, a story where almost every article, and I say loose use of the word article uh brings up amityville as a comparison even though they are so far apart Mm, um knowing some basics about this haunting and also knowing about amityville since you did a whole episode on it for us i did uh, did do that they're not related at all no i don't know why people are like it's england's amityville if england had an amityville it would be um enfield mm -hmm. and yeah the enfield poltergeist which still barely touches amityville yeah um, all right. So for this story, I'm going to spend a lot of time on the initial activity because it's the silliest and then we'll kind of go over like the resolution of stuff. So oh, silly ghosts. I love this story. Uh, it started in September of 1966 in Pontefract, Yorkshire, England, with a 15 year old boy named Phil Pritchard and his nan, Sarah, with an H, <gasps> uh, while the rest of his family was on holiday. So one day Phil came home from doing teenage boy shit and found his grandma sitting in the living room with uh, what was described as white chalk dust falling around her from the ceiling. And I don't know how they knew it was chalk, but all the sources say white powder or chalk. I mean, I guess you would just kind of Drywall. Yeah. Uh, Which I guess chalk, I don't know what drywall is made out of. Plaster, I think. Sure. Something like that. Some form of that. Yeah. So anyways, um, they weren't so much scared as they were confused. And like, it was coming down hard. Like, it filled up her coffee cup. Oh, yeah. So Sarah went across the road to get her daughter, uh, Marie Kelly, because the whole family kind of lived in in the uh, 
Pontefract area. And when Marie saw the white powder, she went to the kitchen to get a cloth to clean it up and discovered, Reed slipped in, a puddle of water on the kitchen floor. And then numerous puddles of water began appearing on the kitchen floor. And at that point, a neighbor had come around to see what the hell was going on. And when she saw what was happening, she went and turned off the water at the source, like a rational person. Yeah. And this had no effect on the puddles. And someone called the city to come look at it. And a man from the water board did stop by, check the pipes, made a report, and said he couldn't find any issues. And then an hour later, the puddles stopped appearing around the house. That's very weird. Things kind of calmed down. And later that evening, around 7, Phil shouted from the kitchen, quote, Grandma, it's happening again. (laughs) And she came in and found the counter in the kitchen scattered with sugar and tea leaves. And they watched as something pressed the button on their tea dispenser, spraying tea everywhere. Tea dispenser. Uh, This is what I'm going to focus on. Tea dispenser. (laughs) Weirdly in the... Oh, I didn't cite my sources. Uh... Last podcast did a whole, like, big, Uh, big episode that they covered a lot of poltergeist, like, facts and stuff, but that's where Henry kind of got stuck, too. (laughs) No, uh, from what I can tell, it's, like, the vacuum, like, um, coffee dispensers. Oh, okay. But since they're English, they filled it with tea. Right. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Just to pause, my sources are The Black Monk of Pontefract, Yorkshire, UK, from ghoststory.uk, 30 East Drive Terror, Black Monk of Pontefract Revealed, from spookyisles.com, and then... I read some excerpts from a book called The Black Monk Pontefract, and then I did listen to the last podcast episode. But they they get way more in-depth. This is just silly. We're doing the silly part. So yeah, the tea sprang everywhere, and eventually Sarah yelled at it to stop. As Uh, you do. Yes. Um, As she did so, there was a loud... There's a ghost in this apartment. Okay, I thought I heard something. So she yelled at it to stop, and it did. But then there was a loud crash from the hallway. And then when they ran out there to check, there was nothing there. But after a moment, something clicked the light on and scared the fuck out of both of them. (laughs) This is a lot to happen in, like, an evening. This feels like the ending of Clue, where it's just (laughs) Tim Curry running from room to room. Uh, So they moved to the foot of the stairs to continue investigating, and they noticed a plant that was usually at the foot of the stairs had been moved, sands its pot, halfway down the stairs. And the pot was sitting at the top of the stairs. And in... Prove what was proving to be relentless chaos, they heard a crash from the kitchen. Oh my god. This I just love the nonstop nature. Like you go to fig or you go to investigate one thing and something else is already happening somewhere else. Yeah, so pretty much what I'm I'm getting This is like, yeah, this is slapstick ghost comedy. Yeah. So they went to the kitchen and they saw that one of the cabinets was banging around as if someone was trapped inside. And as soon as Philip opened the door I don't know why I called him Philip when I've been calling him Phil, but here we are. Also, why would you open that door? Bad idea. He opened it, and the banging stopped, and then started in a different part of the house. God damn it. So Sarah went across the street to get Marie again, who witnessed the cabinet start rattling again, and then stop. So eventually, things calmed down, they talked for a long time, and uh, Marie went back home, and Phil and Sarah decided to try to go to bed. So after locking up, switching off the lights, Sarah went into Philip's room to say goodnight, and as she did so, a heavy chest of drawers began swaying without explanation, and then they went across the street to Marie's to spend the night in what I picture being like that scene from The Conjuring 2, where the chest of drawers flies across the room, and then there's just a shot of the whole family running at full sprint across the street. Yep. <laughs> uh, the rest of the family did did come home from, from holiday, and it was... Um, 
Phil's Phil's parents, whose names I can't remember. My brain wants to say Doug and Judy, and I know that's wrong. I was like, aren't those Travis's parents' names? Nope, that's Doug and Vicky. Doug and Judy are the names of the funny kids from the show Doug. (laughs) (laughs) I've read this. I just have so much caffeine coursing through my system. Everything is... Okay, so the rest of the family returned home, and there were no occurrences for two years after that. That's so weird that it just, like, happens out of nowhere and then stops. Exactly. So, however, as abruptly as it ended the first time, it started up again, this time plaguing the family for several years. Not great. So the the family stubbornly refused to leave their house and started calling the entity Mr. Nobody, and then eventually the less creepy Fred. (laughs) So the main focus of the activity this time around seemed to be their 15-year-old daughter, Diane, which if we know anything about poltergeist, that's the exact age of teenager, especially girls, that will yep. attract a poltergeist. Uh, so she often had things thrown at her and was pulled from her bed and at one point dragged upstairs by her throat, which left physical marks. That's not fun and slapstick anymore. Well, the, That's the, actually very violent. The poltergeist never seriously hurt anyone, but it came close. Yeah. It was described like when people were getting things thrown at them and stuff, like it didn't hurt when it hit them. It just kind of like, poop, <laughs> just bounced off. Boop. So loud, inexplicable crashing sounds were common, especially in the presence of visitors, because the entity seemed to enjoy showing off, including one instance where it stole a plate of chicken sandwiches and dropped them like it vanished them and then dropped them from thin air behind the Pritchard's TV. And upon inspection, there was a large bite taken out of one, which is very cute. It's a hungry ghost. And their guest, a paranormal enthusiast and one of their neighbors, asked if she could take the sandwich home with her to add to her collection, which I didn't look into what her collection was and what she was going to do with a chicken sandwich. Eventually, that's just going to rot. Disgusting. Unfortunately, it reportedly crumbled into nothing when she got home. Oh, darn. That's a good sandwich crumbly sandwich. Yum, delicious. So the, the poltergeist was also reported to make quote, little messes. This is a very, very British haunting. Yeah, it would make little messes because Joan, the mother, uh, was reportedly a very neat woman who wouldn't go to sleep unless the house was clean. And there? Uh, So there's also a story where the family's uh, skeptical aunt Maud, (laughs) which I did picture like uh, the aunt from Harry Potter. Uh Uh-huh. God, skeptical aunt Maud. Skeptical aunt Maud. That's who I aspire to be. Played by, oh, fuck, what's her name? Pam, not Pam Greer. That'd be a very different story. (laughs) Hold on. Aunt Marge is who I was thinking of from Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know the actress who played her. I'm sure it's someone British. Oh, it's someone incredible. She also played Trunchbull in uh, Matilda. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I never made that connection before. Also in this absolutely delightful British um, old lady solving crime show called Rosemary and Time. (gasps) I heard about that one. I love it so much. They like they design gardens for a living, but they also come upon a lot of murders, which I don't know why they're they're still getting hired. But (laughs) Pam Ferris is her name. Gotcha. Beautiful lady. Just scared the shit out of me as a kid. Very afraid of Trunchbull. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so skeptical Aunt Maud. Uh, she came to visit, and she was subjected to the standard noises, objects moving, and when she kept yelling at the children to cut it out, <laughs> there was a sound from the other room. Uh, in the living room, I think, they found a pair of Aunt Maud's gloves floating as if an unseen person was wearing them. Oh, creepy. And it was doing, like, the, the come here, mm-hmm. but also the other glove was, like, shaking its fist. <laughs> 
And then Maude began panicking, and she started singing, I think, Onward Christian Soldiers. <laughs> to which... This does very much feel like a scene from Matilda. Yeah, to which the gloves started conducting her. <laughs> this is a funny ghost. He's got a good sense of humor, the yeah. ghost. Uh, I think Aunt Maude left pretty quickly after that. Yeah, as you would. On two occasions, exorcisms were attempted, because, like, as cute as this is, it's got to be exhausting. Yeah, no, I would not want to live with that. It's not cute when you actually have to deal with it. It's like babies. It's exactly, yes. it's exactly, exactly like babies. Exactly like babies. It's loud. It's messy. It's funny when it's happening to other people, but I don't <laughs> want it in my house. <laughs> These exorcisms seem to aggravate the situation, as they usually do. Uh, so after a family friend sprinkled holy water throughout the house, the poltergeist responded by painting upside down crosses on the living room walls and doors um, and destroying all the crucifixes that decorated the Pritchard's house because they were... I was going to say, you can't just sprinkle holy water around. It's just going to piss them off. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Up until this point, the poltergeists had never shown any real interest in religious items because, like, the the crucifixes were there the whole time. So it kind of indicates that he just did it to be an ass. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't the, the first time the ghost had been an ass either. At one point, an investigator commented that he was surprised that the grandfather clock hadn't been damaged. And almost as soon as he said it, grandfather clock comes flying down the stairs. So I'm just picturing it like this guy being in the house Have like, oh, sorry. man, he's left the grandfather clock alone. And then just the mom is like, God damn God, it. Damn it. <laughs> and I guess this like this was happening to this family. But even in interviews, like people around the town or like they talk about it like they remember it because it's a small yeah. town. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the physical manifestation of the poltergeist didn't come up until well into the haunting because up until then, it's just like disembodied shit. Yeah, poltergeist shit. Um, so the figure first appeared to Joe, the father, and Jean uh, while they lay in bed. And the two allegedly saw a black cloaked figure hovering near their bed for a moment before vanishing. And other members of the family, as well as visitors, reported seeing a figure in a robe that looked like a monk, although no one ever saw a face under the robe. Uh, so shortly after the physical manifestations of the monk appeared, the haunting stopped, never to occur again. And Weird. some credit was given to a friend who suggested that garlic was a way to deter the spirit, but I feel like that's not the case. Just think about how many ghosts are in Italy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And say garlic is for vampires. You don't see vampires in Italy. They're all in Eastern Europe. Um, if I remember correctly, in the film and book series Twilight, Italy is literally where the Vampire Council lived. You're going to cite Twilight? Yes. I don't know. We give that bitch from New Orleans credit for, like, all Anne of her... Rice? Yeah, we give her vampire I would, say, lore. I, would, I would cite Anne Rice before I would cite Twilight. Vampires aren't real, so... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm going to give Stephanie Meyer a little bit of credit for, like, being creative. <laughs> the books are terrible, but she did, you know, come up with some pretty cool stuff. Like how they, they kind of, they don't bleed, like, they're just marble, like, you just, like, snap a piece of them off. Pretty cool. Gross. I never read Twilight. Really? Was forced to watch one of the films. I guess you're, yeah, you're a little older than me. So, like, <laughs> I read all of the Twilight books in a week in my senior year of high school. Uh, yeah. It was, like, my junior year of high school. It was when I was in Ireland because some of my roommates were reading them while we were there. And that was, like, my first exposure to it. I'm like, hmm, no. <laughs> and then I had to, I went over for, like, a movie night at my friend Molly's house. And I'll never forgive her for this because they made us watch the first Twilight movie. 
and I had had like a bottle, a glass of white wine and I got a migraine and I was trying to watch this movie with a migraine and a wine headache and... Well, yeah, that'll ruin anything. Terrible experience all around. <laughs> I will say casting was great. Music was great. Cinematography was great. Everything else kind of blew. I will never forgive the movie for now making me associate Supermassive Black Hole with that stupid baseball thing. Oh my god, I love that, though. I don't know why they let Bella be the umpire, though. Like, she can't see anything. <laughs> of course Rosalie's going to be mad about that call. <laughs> she has human eyes. Anyways. Yeah, so the ghost stopped. But I'm sure everyone is asking, why is it called the Black Monk? I mean, I'm assuming because he has a robe and such. But why would they assume Monk? Because... Well, you saw some guy in a robe. I would also think monk first thing. All right. Well, <laughs> unless yeah. there's a more interesting reason for it, then I mean, Sarah there, just assumes so. There is, but yeah, I guess if I saw a dude in a robe, my immediate first thought would be Paul Bettany in the Da Vinci Code, who was yeah, a monk. Who was so. a monk? Yeah. Sorry, I just started thinking about Paul Bettany in the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Not like his most handsome role, but definitely his most memorable. You play the Unabomber. I think you played the Unabomber in a TV series. It was an odd choice. This is not something I am familiar with. He did. He did. It was a like a USA series or something. Oh boy. Oh boy. No, apparently it was good. I think he got nominated for some really? stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, author Tom Kuniff, I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, later identified the poltergeist as a 16th century monk who was hung for rape and murder of a girl during the reign of Henry the eighth this is something like in historical documents that they can point to having happened in the area emily you can't see this listeners emily is making very generous air quotes <laughs> um ever since the poltergeist is known as the black Monte pontefract since the uh pritchard's house was said to be built next to the site of the town's gallows i think the key word here is said to have been i was gonna say i you're not doing it now, but I can feel the quotation marks. Well, several locals, including members of the Pritchett family, not necessarily in the main family, although Diane has described seeing some ghosts in other places, um, they have reported paranormal activity in the town, leading me to believe that sometimes when you have a town that literally dates back to the Neolithic era, yeah, weird shit hangs around. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, I think it's near water, which is uh, also a thing. That, yeah, always does ghosts. So the events were fictionalized in the 2012 horror film When the Lights Went Out, which was referenced in every article I read. I'm assuming that's like the basis or the impetus between like why you want to write the article in the first place. Was this movie is coming out. It's based on this. This is the truth. It's the first thing that comes up when you Google Black Monk of Pontefract, which was the movie any good. I haven't watched it. I should. Yeah. Was Uh, it like I think it was generally well received. But the director of the movie, Pat Holden, is actually Gene Pritchard's nephew. Interesting. So current next-door neighbor, Carol Fieldhouse, which is a great next-door neighbor name, Mm -hmm. said that things started to take a sinister turn shortly before the film was released. Of course it would. (laughs) You've got a movie to market. Carol didn't know the former owner, Philip Pritchard, had just, because he inherited the house from his family. I know there are some articles that say that the Pritchards moved out after a couple years, but they didn't, as far as I know. Um, so Philip had just sold the long empty property to the film's producer, Bill Bungay. There's the name. B-U-N-G-A-Y. So that's the only way I can think to pronounce it. Um, in a newspaper interview, Carol said she had seen Philip in the front garden. 
and said, quote, I went out and asked him if he'd sold it to one of his nephews. I thought it must have been one of them because I knew they were deaf and I heard the telly blasting out all night. And Philip said, there's no TV in there. It's empty. Then he turned pale and said, God, it started again. I haven't <laughs> seen him since. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's just very. So that's roughly there's a lot of stuff, like a lot of occurrences that I didn't really get into. Yeah. Um, but that's the cutest poltergeist in the whole world. That is from the outside looking in. That is a pretty funny, goofy story. I can see where it'd be terrifying if you were living it. But yeah, no, I, it would be just inconvenient at the least. Yeah, especially for Jean having to clean up all those messes. Yeah. Woof. There was a, it just stop. There was a story in there where a sheet of wallpaper attacked her. That's not pleasant. No, I'm sure it must look really cool in like a movie, though. Yeah. Anyway, so those are our favorite hauntings to a certain degree with parameters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, more or less. You, you asked me, like, yeah, we should do my favorite haunting. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to. The thing is, with like a lot of ghost stories, there's just not enough to really like. There's not a lot of meat to a lot of them. That's the issue I ran into when I was trying to look up the Snedeker haunting and also something I ran into when I was trying to look up the Amityville haunting. Because, like, there's a whole book, which I had thankfully read, but if I was just going off of internet information, yeah. there's not a lot out there. So even with still, like, a couple of articles that start, like, listing the legends yeah. off, but it's not, like, a lot. It's literally, like, he saw a ghost one day. Yeah. Or like, yeah, this place is rumored to be haunted by a person who did this. The end. Well, and that's exactly why when you get movies that are like based on a real haunting and they get like way blown out because like what the hell else are they gonna do? Yeah, because a lot I had of pat them with something. Yeah, a lot of hauntings are like I saw a man in the kitchen, and that's where the ends. Anyway, um, oh, this is the first. This is our first episode back. So yeah, also oh also hello yes welcome back we missed oh my you. god didn't even address that felt like we never left we just like went right into the stories. <laughs> That's the first time we haven't, like, waffled around for 45 minutes. It's because we've been together, like, a whole day and a half. We have, like, we have run out of things to bullshit about. Yeah. Oh, we went to the witch's castle yesterday. We did go to the witch's castle. It Sarah was did almost exciting. die. <laughs> it was quite a hike. It was a lot of a pill. It was worth every every agonizing step. To, uh, yeah, there's some pictures on the Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, you probably saw those. Yeah. I went in the big dark room. Well, the little dark room, I think, is actually the issue with it. It was the, yeah, because you're very claustrophobic. And I was like, it's fine. Claustrophobic. <laughs> like, I took one step in and I was like, oh, nope, I can hear my voice bouncing back at me. <laughs> um, It's probably not haunted. It's very graffitied. It is very graffitied. Uh, it does look spooky. Yes, it does. I get why people would make up haunted stories yeah. about it. Let's see. We saw a bunny. It's a two bunnies. Oh, my God. I forgot about the bunny on the way home. We saw a bunny in the woods and then a bunny in just the middle of the street. Which I thought was a rat until I was like, why the fuck is there a bunny in town? Probably just doing a shopping. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, updates. We have new merch. We have a new merch design. We do? Yes. Yes. I sent it to the group chat. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I finally... I feel like we've seen the picture before. I didn't know we had it up as merch. Yes. Um, so it is uh, our Billy Howie Taft uh, in a bathtub. Courtesy of Avalon, correct? Yes. Um, it's very it's very cute. It's, it's weirdly cute. Yeah. Um, Billy Howie Taft's head in a bathtub, which is some nice pink doodly script, which I think we described in a previous episode, like, forever ago, and Avalon was nice enough to draw it for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I love art from the fans. I think that's all that's new. Um, I, I, I'd like to hear your ghost story. Uh, yeah, tell us what your favorite haunting is. Yes, I'd love to read more stories about 
real ghosts. <laughs> I, I'm the one making generous air quotes right now. So we you are know, you know my feelings. Instagram at Afternoonified. Uh, Twitter at Afternoonified. Get Afternoonified.com. You can email us at Afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. Um, there's links to our merch and stuff on the website. And um, I don't know. We'll see you later. We'll yeah. be together Welcome the next back. mini, too. So you'll get yeah. that. We will see you in three seconds. Bye. Bye. Oh, I love you. Okay. I can't snap my fingers. Otherwise, I would do that, too. Really? Interesting. I understand the concept. I know it's supposed to, like, slap that inside part of your palm, but... Did the, did the recording catch that? Um, a little. Hello, hello. It's me, the ghost who haunts your phone. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do. A podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is As Above, So Below.